welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now, from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Who do we got with us today, Travis? Today we're not going to share the name of our guest until after the show, at the end of the show. So we have a mystery guest today, <laughs> that's what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, how you I'm, doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm doing very well. And how long have you been here at Rail? I have been at Rail coming up on uh, 20 years. April of next year will be 20 years at Rail. What did you do before Rail? Before rail, I was in retail management for a few decades. Basically bounced around from state to state and store to store and company to company and and uh, kind of fixed things that were broken and then moved on to the next broken thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What led you to trucking and rail? Because I was tired of moving from state to state and store to store <laughs> and fixing things. It was, it was time to get out of that. Um, originally from Marshfield. And so I, I grew up knowing about rail, uh, kind of from the outside looking in. Um, knew people that worked here, had friends and, and family members that worked for rail. And so I had a pretty good sense of what the company was all about. And uh, so when my wife and I decided that we wanted to move back, um, you know, our families were still here in town. Uh, her parents were, were definitely still here. And this is where we wanted to raise our kids. And so that was the big pull. Um, but I knew rail, and there was an opportunity. There was an opening here. And put my name in the hat and was lucky enough to uh, to have my name pulled. What did you do when you started? I was a fleet manager when I started out. Mm-hmm. So I went from fleet manager to, uh, to FOM and then ops manager and then current role. So you worked your way nicely here at rail. You worked your way through the ranks up to where you are now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, sir. And then you work with the flatbed team, right? I do. Mm-hmm. And I have for the entire near 20 years. Right on. What are the, just out of curiosity, what are the numbers on the flatbed team? How many, how many flatbed drivers do we have ballpark? Today we have 600 drivers in the team. Um, 66 of those are full-time curtain-side drivers. We have uh, about a dozen that are over-dimension RGN drivers, uh, which is split 50-50 between what we call SPE and SPW, so specialized east and west, um, and then a few other small dedicated. So the bulk of our drivers, uh, just over 500, are flatbed pure. When I started, by comparison, uh, we were about 300, so we're just about half that size. Nice. Mm-hmm. What is the – I work on the other side of things. I work with the reefer team. Just curious what the retention retention rate is. Is it pretty decent on the flatbed side? Or are we struggling? Or You know, anytime we lose a driver, it, it feels like turnover is too high. Um, 
so I'm never going to tell you that I'm satisfied with it. Today, as we speak, we're 87 percent uh, annualized turnover. That's up and about. That, that compares to other companies. Well, so it's up for us about 7% just year over year. Uh, this time last year when things were really booming, miles were much better, um, our division was 80% turnover. Um, for a group our size in the industry, not uh, LTL, because LTL dedicated has pretty strong retention because guys know what they're doing all the time. Um, but for just over the road, um, you know, triple digits is pretty much the norm you know, right now. So for us to be in the 80s is good uh, by comparison, but again, still too high for me. Speaking of retention, why rail? Why should a driver work here? What are some of the things that rail offers drivers that are attractive and and valuable? Yeah, it's a great question. I I just had the opportunity to speak to uh, one of our newer teammates um, that I hadn't talked to before. He came here with experience. He's been at rail for about six weeks. And he had left me a voicemail. I called him back just at the end of the day yesterday. Uh, So this is still very fresh in my memory. Uh, And this gentleman had such a sober, he was concerned about his miles, but he had such a sober approach um, to what it was that that he was looking for. And he shared with me what he's been through in his career. And he's been at larger carriers than rail, but he's also been at much smaller carriers. And Right before coming here, he was at a he was at a company where he was one of twenty uh, drivers, and he said the safety culture here it just doesn't have comparison in the industry, and and it's his experience, and I would say he's not alone. You know, I, I've heard this before. Um, you know, he was accustomed to that small carrier asking him to do things that were just unsafe. And not legal, you know, log out and keep working because that load's got to get there on time and, and things of that nature. And that is just, that's just, it's foreign uh, to to rail as an organization. We're simply not going to do that to our drivers. We're not going to put somebody in that kind of a position. Freight's important, our customer's important, but it's not more important than the lives of our drivers. Our customers understand that. And they do. We, we make sure that they are on the same page as us with that, right? So mm-hmm. we, when we do have to shut down, when a driver does have to shut down, they let us know. We let the customer know, and usually it's bad weather, or hopefully, rarely, it's they don't feel good. Right. Um, and we communicate that and work it with the customer, and everything's good, right? So it's one of the strengths that we have as an organization that we build lasting relationships with our customers. We're not a fly-by-night. We're, we don't want to be the cheapest carrier, but we don't want to be the most expensive. We don't want to be the, the loosest run uh, by any means. Uh, we want to be a nice fit that we can grow with and that customers can grow with us. And so, yeah, those customers understand who we are culturally, and that's a good thing for them. They want that. They look for that. Um, they have a lot of demands, especially in, in situations like we're in right now where the freight market is so tight. Um, on-time delivery is super important, and, and you know, being on-time and claim-free is very, very important uh, if they're going to pay our rates. Um, but they also know that that safety culture is, uh, is something that they have to have as well. If you want good quality, you got to pay for it. I mean, you get what you pay for. I mean, Correct. That's, a, that's a legit thing that's always been real. And Sure. And what's been going on in about the last 12 months in the industry is that um, – First, there was this big glut of new carriers into the marketplace post-COVID. 
And at the probably about the middle of last year, uh, the freight situation started to turn. Rates, which had been going through the roof, uh, started to get constrained, and they started going back down. And at the same time, costs to do business in trucking were going up through the roof. And so a lot of the smaller carriers that got into the industry are now exiting the industry because they can't make a buck anymore. But we're still battling the spot market. And what the spot market is, is our customers can go out right now and go on the spot market, find some small five-truck you know, trucking company to haul their load for probably about 70 cents less than what we're going to charge per mile. So why wouldn't they do that, right? But what they're finding is there's not a lot of reliability in those small carriers. And you know, so th- to your point, they're getting what they're paying for. And now they're starting to come back. We're starting to see signs of them coming back and saying, all right, we played in that space. We maybe saved ourselves some money, but we probably caused ourselves a lot of, a lot of headaches along the way. And trying to and operate our you know operate our business, so uh, I feel like the number of carriers in the marketplace is changing. We see that right now. Um, as I said, there's carriers that are leaving the marketplace. I think that'll continue through the winter months, so that by spring of next year, I don't know that we'll be completely right sized, but we'll look a little bit more like we did kind of around the start of COVID, without so many new carriers out there. Uh, taking up that capacity. Didn't this happen before, and didn't they learn that lesson before? So I think uh, they have to learn the lesson frequently, right? And as fellow human beings, we all do, right? So it's a cyclical thing, um, you know, and they're like anybody in, in any business, we're always looking for ways to save money, ways to drive down our costs. So we don't fault our customers for for looking for those opportunities, certainly. Um but the glut that we saw was really due to the unprecedented, and, and I think for anyone. I mean, I, I cannot think of a time in my lifetime where our entire economy stopped, just stopped on a dime. And we sheltered in place, and no one knew what the heck was going on. And then through those, those opening months of COVID, maybe even the first year, uh, I think we all remember people stayed at home. They were working from home, and what were they doing at home? Buying stuff. So they were online shopping, and and you know receipts at that point in time. <laughs> I kind of wish I was in my retail days back then, uh, because things were going through the roof. And that's great for trucking, because anything that they were buying comes on or in a truck, and so that was great for the industry. And that's what led to. You know, probably about 120,000 new carriers getting in the marketplace in the last, uh, say, 24 months um, because there was so much money to be made. Uh, rates were really high. There was a lot of freight to move. And then as that started to ease and people were going back to work, they started changing their disposable income, was not going towards fixing their house anymore, which they probably just, you know, already did. Now it was back on, you know, going out to eat and, you know, buying other things. Um, travel, things of that nature, uh, which are service-related, and they're not, right, they're not, we're not uh, hauling that on a on There a goes truck. the demand. Correct. Yep. As the capacity, the driver capacity, was still high. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing that we want to do is put all our eggs in one basket and say we're a steel hauler. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when the UAW goes on strike and we're not hauling steel into those plants anymore? That hurts everybody, and especially if you're devoted to that 
to that commodity. So we are very, very diverse. Uh, we do haul a lot of steel, uh, but we also haul uh, a lot of lumber, uh, building products, um, fair amount of you know machinery, things of that nature. Um, yeah, it's very diverse. It's it's on a wide spectrum. Uh, I, I like to say that we haul cool things, that, you know, that you can see going down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right on. Couldn't see them in my curtain side. No, that's true. <laughs> I did haul some cool things, though, man. That was kind of fun. Log cabins and stuff, that was always challenging. Log cabins, yeah, from uh, here in Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, you probably went out to, like, Colorado or places like that. I went like all that. kinds of strange places. Yeah, and fairly remote. And, uh, yeah, yeah we're, worth, we're there building cabins on the side of a mountain. They don't, they don't build a log cabin in downtown Minneapolis. You know? Oh, you don't see much of that. <laughs> yeah. and that. And that's something different with the Flatbed Specialized. You guys go to locations that the other groups don't go. Correct, yeah. We're, we're, we do bump some docks with our curtain uh, guys, mm-hmm. especially. You know, if we're taking doors as an example to a distributor, uh, but generally speaking, we're to, we're to um, large factories for the steel uh, primarily and then a lot of job sites. Mm-hmm. The one that I will remember forever, I delivered one of those log cabin kits to Colorado. The elevation was like 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And the guy had literally dynamited the top of a mountain off to build this cabin right on the Sweet. peak of the mountain. It was <laughs> it was beautiful. Awesome. Uh, I called him ahead of time like you're supposed to, you know, and I, I, I got good solid directions and everything. And I asked him, I says, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the map and this road doesn't exist on the map. <laughs> I says, is there a place to turn around up there? Oh, yeah, plenty of room, he says. And you get up there, and there might have been room to turn around a pickup truck with mm. a trailer. There was no way to turn around that curtain side. I had to back all the way out of there, a good three-mile back, I think. Wow. It was crazy, all downhill. Well, I was going to say, you're sitting here talking <laughs> to us, so obviously you, you did okay. You made it out. I made it out just fine, but it was challenging. It was, it was one of the most challenging deliveries i've ever made i made quite a few i spent 30 years on the road before Mm. i come in the office so so yeah so what about your role here in the office now you've been here for like 20 years Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. you've moved up through the ranks um i'm trying to ask this without giving away his role exactly because we're playing mystery guests here but <laughs> but uh, you're in charge of the operations here in the office, so you're in charge of both customer service and the fleet management? Or Nope. Um, my role is specific to the driver group, so it's just operations. Um, so that would be the fleet managers. Correct. Yep, so the fleet managers, fleet training managers, uh, fleet support coordinators, and then those 600 drivers that make up uh, my half of the team, and then my counterpart is in charge of all customer service. So she has flowing to her the customer service reps, the planners, uh, the CSAs. So I was out the other day. I I confess I'm a nicotine junkie, and I was out in the smoking area talking to one of your uh, fleet managers, and he was discussing this phrase phrase that you guys have over there, um, install the furnace. Mm-hmm. What is that all about? So install the furnace. I'm glad that a driver um, talked about it because certainly uh, fleet managers know about it. Fleet training managers know about it in my group. This came about, it really, um, it, it, it was born out of the last awards banquet in April of this year. 
And for anybody that's been to an awards banquet, you know the routine. I mean, guys go up and they get their their awards for years of service or million miles or outstanding performers, drivers of the year, and so on. Typically at the end, you know, I've been here long enough, I remember a lot of years ever at closing out the ceremony. But Rick has done that in the last few years. And this year he talked specifically about having his furnace replaced at home. And he said that he called around, he got some quotes, and he settled on one and was home, obviously, to let the guys in on the day of the install. And the owner of the company came along with the two techs, and he stayed through the entire installation of Rick's furnace. And he said what, he, what struck him, what this is Rick talking, is how that guy could have just written down a few things and given it to the techs and left and gone wherever, right, enjoyed his day. But he stayed there and he talked these guys through step by step. Here's what I need you to do. And it just it struck me and struck my team that there was a there was a message there for us that we could take that rather than just send a message over the PC and hope that our driver gets it, pick up a phone and call. <laughs> call your fellow human being and say, hey, here's what I need from you. And this is how you're going to be successful on this particular job. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And we're seeing that. We're seeing better success since we since we uh, started with Install the Furnace in the spring of this year. And there's some things that the owner doesn't have to be there. You know, there's some installs that those techs got, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some that he needs to be there. So right. it's like also knowing when to be there when you don't need to be there, right? Absolutely. Right, a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Right on. So what do you say we get to know this guy? I know you're not here at rail all the time. What do you like to do in your free time, man? Uh, Anytime I'm not here, I'm outside uh, pretty much. So we like to, my wife and I like to do a lot of camping, uh, a lot of hiking with our our little dog. We do a fair amount of that since we are empty nesters. Our three boys have uh, grown and moved on and and live in successful lives, uh, which is great to see as a pa. But, uh, yeah, I'm outside. Any, I, used, I used to golf. But, any uh, notable hiking yeah. trips that you've been on? No, I wouldn't say notable. Uh, we do a lot of the state parks here in Wisconsin. And, uh, so you've been to Devil's Lake and all that? We've definitely been there. I actually have a sister that lives close to Devil's Lake, so we, we go there pretty frequently, actually. Um, and then my wife has, uh, has family that are kind of down in that same area as well. So we, we try to bounce around. We're looking forward to next year. We already have four trips park are planned to uh, four different parks that we haven't been to nice. uh, week-long trips so we're, we're looking forward to that have you done a bunch of the ice age trail yet or we've done uh, yeah, it's a long trail but we've probably thousand done, miles yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't done even a tenth of it but uh, yeah we uh, we've been on it love the trail yeah yeah I have walked a very substantial portion of it I've skipped most of the road walks. Where, where they don't have the trail completed. Mm-hmm. I skipped most of those, but most of the trail parts I've been on. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a bit of a hiker myself. So. Yeah. And you just drop your motorcycle, right, and go with the trailer and your vehicle? Yeah, and yeah I take the motorcycle on a trailer. Nice. I take the motorcycle on a trailer. I, I got the little map book, and I drop off the motorcycle at one end, and then I take the truck to the other end, and then I hike back to the motorcycle, you know. It's kind of it's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. I like that. Um, another really good one, if you haven't been, is the Superior Hiking Trail up in Minnesota. Okay. It's on the North Shore. It starts in Duluth and goes all the way up to the Canadian border, 240-some-odd miles. And then um, that's all 
part of what they call the North Country Trail. It runs all the way from the Dakotas all the way over to the East Coast somewhere. Okay. Um, but these little sections have all been built into that. And the Superior Hiking Trail on the North Shore there is fantastic. Your wife likes to look at waterfalls, I assume. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know a wife that doesn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um I got tired of seeing waterfalls on this trail. Wow. There's so many of them, you know. Um, The trail goes along those bluffs. Every time you're at the top of the bluff, you can see Lake Superior. And then it goes down into the river valleys, and every one of those rivers dumping into Lake Superior has a waterfall or or three. Nice. And it it was some of the most beautiful hiking I've ever done. Golf as well? I used to. You know, I never got the clubs out of the basement this year, and I didn't Uh. miss it. I was... You know, just too much stuff going on, not not really enough time. I think I golfed once last year. Um, we used to golf at least once a week, if not two or three times a week. Um, but I'm at an age where most of my friends are retired. So I get the call saying, hey, we're golfing on Tuesday. You want to come? And I'm like, well, some people are still working. <laughs> no, I'd love to golf with you on Tuesday, but yeah. we're going to golf it on Saturday or Sunday. So. I know the I know the feeling, man. Yeah, I'm what not about? I'm not far behind you. There. <laughs> <laughs> what about the boys, the wife? When you guys all get together, what do you guys like to do? Camping, yeah. You know, we we do a lot of camping. In fact, uh, when we upgraded to the camper that we've got, our middle son bought our last pop up, and so his he and his fiance will come with us. The oldest boy uh, likes to camp. Youngest boy actually just bought a house here in town, and. Uh, he, too, is a camper, but he, he's still, because he is young, he, he's okay with being on the ground and in a tent. But, you know, as we get older, I'm, I'm about being off the ground well, and you comfortable. Can, you can get the air mattress, you know, hook up to the cigarette yeah, lighter in the vehicle, sure, right? Sure you can. <laughs> I, gradu- I graduated to a hammock. Ooh, okay. It's, sounds it's fantastic. Right. Yeah? That sounds um, good. It also made my backpack a lot lighter. <laughs> can you get, can, do you have the hammock with the net? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I've seen it's I've a, seen at campgrounds where they're like stacked. Like there's yep. three kids in the mm-hmm. thing, and then they all have the little domed thing sure. over them. They make some cool hammocks with like for tent hammock things. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I yeah. fear I one couldn't get in it, and if I did, I'd never get out. Well, not without getting hurt. You've got to do a little research. There's a lot of different hammocks out there. Okay. okay. <laughs> Self-stabilizing <laughs> hammocks is that okay. a thing? Yeah, it is. Um, I don't, I don't know. The first one I bought was terrible. You know, I was using a whole tent and the sleeping pad and all this for my hiking trips, mm-hmm. right? Um, the tent pad and all the other stuff that goes with it was probably eight pounds or something like that. Mm. You know, the lion's share of my backpack weight. Mm. And I got rid of all of that. The, the entire hammock system weighs less than two pounds. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So it's it was a major improvement. I'm like you say, I'm getting old. That mm-hmm. backpack needs to get as light as possible, mm-hmm. um, and it's so much more comfortable. And you don't need a flat spot on the ground. And it, but it, it doesn't compare to a camper, of course. I I, I fully understand the allure of a camper. <laughs> yeah, ours is nothing fancy, but it's just uh, it's just right for the two of us and our and our dog. So yeah, I'm actually shopping for a, a motorcycle camper. Uh, you see those little pop-up campers on the yeah. back of the motorcycle. I go on a bunch of motorcycle trips, and uh, 
it just looks like something that I would enjoy. <laughs> Have you done Sturgis? I've or? been there, but not on the motorcycle. I'm, oh. a, I'm a musician. Okay. Uh, I've played there a few times for oh. the big festival. Oh, yeah? Stuff. So, okay. Yeah, here and there. And I've, I've seen the craziness. I don't really want to be there on a motorcycle when, when the fest is going on. Yeah. Just a little bit much for me. Yeah. I like to... I like to put my nose in the wind, so to speak. I don't. I don't like to sit at all the bars and. Sure. <laughs> sure. Before we close this down, do you want to roll out the questions? The trivia questions. Yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Mm. Oh boy! Then we we'll got... then we'll wrap this up with uh, letting people know who we're the, talking the to. The big reveal. We got a we got a couple of trivia questions. These are all rail trivia questions, and they're multiple choice, so this should be fairly simple, man. Oh. Okay. Okay. I've heard that before. Are there prizes for this, by the way? I no. was going to ask. No. Okay. Just uh, bragging rights. Bragging oh, rights. And my pride intact, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, how many dedicated accounts does does Rails Van and Reefer team have? Wow. <laughs> Good thing this is multiple guests. We got 10, we got 27, we got 15, or we got 3. That's interesting. Fifteen was one of them. Fifteen. I'm gonna go with fifteen. That is right on the money, man. (laughs) That was a guess, huh? It was an educated guess. It was an absolute guess. (laughs) Right on. Well, I got that information. And that was outside your area, so yeah. I got that information from Isaac, who's in charge of the dedicated fleets over in Appleton. Credible source. So it's a credible source, Mm -hmm. but if it's wrong, we need to throw stuff at Isaac. Okay. So. Preferably soft, squishy things. <laughs> yes. Next one here. As part of our community outreach program, we do a huge fundraising event every October for which nonprofit organization? Oh, we just concluded this one. The choices are. Should you give a multiple choice? I, I, I totally want to read the choices. I'll go ahead and read the choices. The choices I feel like are, I know this one. The choices are A, Truckers Against Crappy Coffee. I've heard of that one. Or B, The March of Nichols. Or C, the United Way. Or D, the Royal Society for putting things on top of other things. Hmm. (laughs) I've contributed to them, but I think it's C, the United Way. Absolutely. 100% right. And then the last one here, who is Kevin Leaders? Is he A, the Vice President of Reefer and Dedicated Customer Service? Or is he B, the developer of the swoosh and flick reefer sweeping technique? (laughs) Or is he C, the lead hairstylist for the Keeping It Rail podcast team? Or D, is he winner of the pie eating contest at the company picnic last year? Or even E, president of the, of the Rail Alaskan Frontier Club? Wow, now I feel like he sh- that one is probably the one he should be. I like that one too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I like that one too. Kevin Leaders is not only the vice president of the reefer division, he is the first person I reported to in 2004. He was my first boss. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's all I got for trivia questions, and you nailed it, sir. Wow. Nice. I, I know they weren't the hardest trivia questions ever, but I did get a kick out of the choices. I can't so. believe you got that 15 dedicated. That was just a total guess. Yeah. <laughs> total guess. If you could bring an imaginary character to life, um, books, movies, Whatever, an imaginary character. If you could bring any imaginary character to life and have a conversation with them, what would that be? 
Who would that be? Who would that be? I don't know about having a conversation, but the the first thing that comes to my mind is one of my one of my favorite stories, and I would bring Pinocchio, (laughs) so that you could say, "I'm a real boy." (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I love it. You know when he lied. (laughs) <laughs> right, there'd be that. Yeah, you know he's keeping it real or yeah. not. Right, you, yeah, that'd be all right, man. That'd be all right. Nice. It's all definitely right. a different direction than anybody else has gone with that survey question. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. I and, love and it. The man. voice. Man. <laughs> yeah, we got to hear more of the Pinocchio voice in the Ooh. office. I think. <laughs> well, I think we can wrap this up. And uh, thank you, Mitch Legrand, director of our Flatbed Specialized Group, for being here with us. Thank you, guys. <laughs>